guys, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. It is Tuesday, March 22nd, and we are back after two back-to-back weeks of spring breaks, a wild weekend filled of probably the most sports news we've had in a long, long time. Uh, Bryson and I are back on the podcast trying to talk up some stuff and recap y'all on what happened these past couple days. As always, my name is Evan Smoke. I'm your resident fire here on the podcast. And I'm a sophomore student at the University of Georgia and about two hours, three, excuse me, three hours southeast of me in the lovely city of States. Well, I don't know about lovely. That would be the Georgia Southern Eagle, uh, Mr. Bryson Wheeler. How are we doing today, my guy? Doing great. And we do have tons of sports to talk about. I feel like it's kind of been slowed down a little bit the last few weeks, but man, did it pick up this past week. So I'm ready to roll, get started talking about it. And Noah is right here to give us a trivia question. Yes, sir. Sticking with college basketball. What? Uh, college basketball coach has the highest all-time winning percentage. Minimum Woodson. of 10 seasons. Woodson. It is not. That was too easy. Coach K. Mm-mm. Nope. All right. One more each. Uh, what Does it have, like, a minimum? Like, I mean, I'm assuming he's a coach with tons of wins. Like Minimum of 10 seasons. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Bayheim. It is not. There's just too many people. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> uh, give me. I feel like Tom Izzo's up there. Yeah. I feel Where like it's probably in? somebody current because he's asking. J Rock. That's my guess. It is not. The answer is Mark Few. Okay. Gonzaga. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. He's a good coach. Since he plays high schools every week. But, yeah, I will give you that. He does pretty much play nobodies. But um, let's roll into March Madness. We'll get talking about that. We'll hit on a little MLB, and then we'll get to some NBA. But um, this was a fantastic week of college basketball. We have four double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16 now. Also have another eight seed in there as well. Tons of upsets. Uh, Evan... Give us a rundown. Give us a couple games that you love watching, a couple upsets that you saw, didn't see, you know, stuff like that. Well, some games that I loved watching was that TCU-Arizona game in the yes. round of 32. That was a masterpiece of a game um, from all aspects of it. And, you know, another great game that counts as the upset is the opening round, you know, stunner of St. Peter's over Kentucky. I mean, while it was a great game in its own, you know, for the Peacocks, you know, St. Peter's to win that game and, you know, eventually even beat Murray State in the second round to keep fighting. Um, that was just – but that was just a phenomenal game. Kentucky, you know, should have been in it, but they kept fighting tooth and nail to push overtime. Thought everybody, you know, he thought Kentucky was like, oh, they're in overtime now. They've, they've got it. They'll, they'll handle business. And St. Peter's never said die, man. And that was just a great game on, you know, Thursday night. Yeah, that was a terrible, terrible loss by Kentucky. No one saw that coming. I mean, Kentucky looked absolutely built to make a championship run right here in March, and it just didn't fail. But I think looking forward to next year, I think this loss is going to be beneficial for Kentucky. I think you're going to have severe Wheeler return. I think that's a no-brainer. I think Oscar Shibway is going to return. You lose Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz, their seniors, but you also have a shooter, I'm forgetting his name right now, from Iowa. He shot 47% last year from three, transferred in. He was hurt all this past year, didn't get to play. They've got 
uh, Shaden Sharp, who's probably going to return, in my opinion. A lot of people say he may go to the NBA draft because he'll probably be a top 10 pick. But he's saying he's coming back. Calipari's saying he's coming back. I think he's coming back. I think Kentucky's going to be really stout. But on the other side, let's talk about St. Peter's in this run. Shaheen Holloway has done a great job with this team. They're the first team from New Jersey to make the Sweet 16 since 2000. And you know who the point guard on that team was? It was Sheen Holloway for the Cheetah yes, Heart. Yes, sir, it was. So, great run by them. Um, another team that has really shocked me in the first couple weeks is North Carolina. And I know I predicted them to beat Marquette pretty handily in that first round. That win over Baylor really – I wouldn't say it really shocked me because we woke up that morning. We had work early that morning, and I was like, all right, boys, where do we see an upset today? Because I know one's going to happen. That was the first game that I mentioned. I said I could definitely see that. And you know what? I'm going to keep riding with this North Carolina team. I have them in the final four from now on. I think they're going to beat UCLA, and I think they have a great shot at getting Purdue. But what are your thoughts on this North Carolina team? Well, we even talked about it last week. We talked about how Baylor was, you know, kind of faltered, and UNC had a huge shot if they could make it to the second round to beat them. Sure enough, they did. UNC blew a huge lead, you know, 25 points at one time. Um, Baylor forces overtime, and it, it all looks like Baylor's going to pull this one out. And once again, UNC never said die, man, and they finished the drill off in overtime. I really like their chances against UCLA, but I don't know about the Final Four, man. I, the Purdue team could be dangerous, and, hey, St. Peter's could be even more dangerous. We don't know, man. This tournament has shown me that you never take everything you thought you knew, you don't know. Yeah, but that comeback by Baylor in the second round was phenomenal. All right, we're sitting here watching this game. We we were about to turn it off. Baylor's up 25. I mean, North Carolina's up 25 with, a, I think it was 10 minutes and 8 seconds left. And then Brady Manick gets the flagrant two, gets ejected. And everything just changed from there. Baylor went on a 38-13 to 13 run to end the half, tie it, send it to overtime. But North Carolina and Armando Baycott and – no, who was the guard? Was the love kid Caleb Love? No, is no, the other one. Davis. 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 Uh, had a phenomenal game. I think he had 33. Him and Baycott are just – they were just too much for this Baylor team. But um, let's flip to the other side of the bracket. And let's talk about this Iowa State team who has been shocking people. First round, they get LSU. Pretty much everybody thought LSU was going to run them out because this Iowa State team had been faltering as of late. LSU played terrible. Iowa State knocked them off. The next round, they get Wisconsin. Wisconsin just came off a nice win against Colgate, who we all predicted would upset Wisconsin. It was a good game. Wisconsin pulled it out. But then they get upset by Iowa State, and this Iowa State team keeps rolling on. On the bottom part of that bracket, you have Miami beat USC in a real good game. Auburn killed Jacksonville State, but then Miami got Auburn. So now you have Miami and Iowa State in the Sweet 16. So give us a little bit about that part of the bracket. Well, first off, Iowa State lied to us. I don't know where this team's been for the last, you know, month and a half, but – it ain't it ain't been it ain't been an Ames, but but Iowa State has just been killing people, you know, on the off ball. Their defense has been pretty great. They're shooting well, you know. I knew LSU might have been in trouble when they didn't have a coach, but I thought they'd be fine against you know Iowa State. Because we had all you know we sat here last week and we were like we've got LSU pretty hard, you know. And everyone like I had no no 
no belief in the Cyclones. But, hey, not only do they beat, you know, LSU, they beat a Wisconsin team who beats a really good Colgate team in the first round. Now they get Miami, and I'd probably take Miami, but, whoo, I don't know if I want to bet against the Cyclones after, you know, having to eat my words pretty hard. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, moving up a little bit in the Midwest bracket, I want to talk about the wagon for just a minute, the Providence Friars. A lot of people had them losing to South Dakota State. I even thought this South Dakota State team was better on paper, but I told you I wasn't faltering from the wagon. The wagon prevailed. Noah Horkler has been playing really great in these first two games. He's averaging 14 and 11. Al Durham's playing great. Even with Jared Bynum struggling a little bit, this Providence team is on a roll. The next round, they get Richmond. They beat them by 28. A team who just beat Iowa, who many people projected in their final four. Richmond got slaughtered to this Providence team. This Providence team gets Kansas in this next round. I don't think that it's a long shot to say that they're going to win this game. And then they get the winner of this Iowa State-Miami game. This team could very easily be in the Final Four after giving – I think it they opened up as 40-1 to 1 odds to make the Final Four in their side of the bracket. So tell us a little bit about the Friars. Well – Hats off to them for beating the Jackrabbits. I was all over that upset, and I still felt pretty confident to it till the end. Great game, regardless. And let's be honest here. I'm not like I would like to commend Richmond on everything they did in that Iowa game. They stunned the Hawkeyes, who had just won the Big Ten title. But Richmond was not that good of a team. I think we all knew it. I think they were probably the worst 12 seed, if not, you know, um, if not, you know, the second worst. And I think that that showed a lot in that second game. But, hey, Providence is set up perfect now. Kansas is going to be a tough test, but Kansas hasn't shown – I mean, they've been kind of quiet. You know, who did who did they win in the second round against? Creighton? Is that who it was? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was a pretty good game, but it was nothing spectacular. Kansas always had – you know, kind of seemed to be like they were going to win that game. I, don't, I mean, I know they kept changing the lead, but Kansas was – you know, it always seemed like Kansas was in control. Um, this Providence team, whoever wins this Kansas-Providence game is going to go to the Final Four. I don't – I don't – again, I hate betting against Iowa State after they made me the worst, but I, I just don't see them or Miami being that good to make the Final Four. Um, but, hey, I could be wrong. So, I would take – I would take Kansas right now. But Providence, if they win, I would take them in the Final Four. Winner of this game's going to New Orleans. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, let's move to the south part of the bracket. And you had Arizona TCU in one of the best games that I've seen in a really long time that you talked about. Benedict Matherin, though, was just too much. Put up his career high with, I think, it was 30 or 31 points. Phenomenal game out of him. He's one of the best players in the nation. Then you're going to have them matched up with Houston, who has shocked people the last couple weeks because many people picked UAB to beat them. And Houston then slaughters Illinois in the next round. That game was never even real close. So give us your thoughts on that part of the bracket. Well, once again, had to eat my words with Houston. So just shows maybe I don't know much that about March. But, hey, Houston's another one of those teams that lied to us, man, you know. But, you know, good job for the Cougars. And then they just slaughtered Illinois, man. Illinois has been so inconsistent when it comes to March. So good in the regular season, you can't get it done when it comes, you know, to the tournament. And, you know, that's just how it is. Um, I really do think uh, Houston's going to be able to make a run here. 
Uh, zone was pretty damn good, though, so probably take the Wildcats. All right, and then the bottom part of the south bracket, you have Michigan, who is making a roll right now. Nobody really saw this. I didn't think they should even make the tournament. They were 17 and 14, but, boy, have they made me look silly with that. They beat Colorado State, who was a really, really good basketball team in a sixth seed, beat them by 12, and then the next round, they knock off my Final Four prediction from this region in Tennessee, beat them by eight. The bottom part of that, you have Villanova just absolutely rolling. What are your thoughts on that, on those two? This Michigan team reminds me a lot of the UCLA team of last year. They remind me a lot. You know, very talented, underperformed, you know, good coach, this, that, and the other, sneak into the tournament, you know, get against a good sixth seed in the beginning. I mean, this – I'm not saying they're going back to the Final Four and going to lose on a heartbreaking shot that should have been in the championship. But there's major UCLA vibes from last season for this team. Yeah, Hunter Dickinson for them is also one of the best players in the nation. Phenomenal player. But um, Let's flip to the West real quick. You've got Gonzaga, who had a little bit of a scare against Georgia State in the first round. Ended up winning by 21 there. Then they had another scare against Memphis. But they ended up winning by four. They get this Arkansas team who has been really, really hot as of late playing really good basketball, just beat Vermont and New Mexico State in back-to-back games. What are your thoughts on those two teams? Yeah, like Gonzaga's come out of the gate a little sluggish. They took care of business, though. Uh, pretty good win against Memphis, you can tell, with the Drew Timmy postgame uh, interview. I don't know if you saw it, but he was very censoring, but he, he was very fired up and half they were going to somehow win this game, and he made sure and pushed his team to victory. On the other side, Arkansas – He's a very, very underrated Vermont team. And then they get a pretty decent team in New Mexico State who gave them a little trouble. But, you know, Arkansas versus Gonzaga, I I like the Razorbacks, but it's going to be a tough test to get over them Bulldogs. Then in the bottom part of the bracket, you had Texas Tech, another wagon who's just been rolling. They got Notre Dame in the second round, who knocked off Alabama, who have been up and down lately. I know Quinterly went out early. But this Bama team was a fraud, in my opinion. They had some really good wins on the year, but they've been playing some terrible basketball as of late. The wagon keeps riding. They get Duke, who in the bottom bracket, excuse me, the bottom part of the bracket has just been doing their business. They beat CSU Fullerton by 17 and Michigan State by nine, and they're trying to do this for Coach K. So, what are your thoughts on that part of the bracket? I got to ride the wagon. Uh, I got to ride it, man. And I got Texas Tech in the final. I got Texas Tech winning my bracket. And that's probably the kiss of death for him. So I apologize, Red Raider Nation. Coach K really wants to win a title, and he should, man. It would be so poetic. But I see it following on uh, falling on Thursday or Friday. I don't know the schedule right off the top of my head, but I think this Red Raider team's got something for him. All right. So let's go ahead and get into some predictions. We're going to give our Sweet 16 and Elite 8 predictions just because at this time next week, we will be waiting on the Final Four to happen. So give us your pick, Gonzaga at Arkansas. Zag. All right, Noah, who you got? Gonzaga. I'm going Gonzaga as well. All right, Texas Tech, Duke. Red Raiders. Noah? I'm going Duke. I'm going with the wagon. A wagon's a wagon, and when a wagon's a wagon, we ride the wagon. Give me Texas Tech. And then I have Gonzaga over Texas Tech. Evan, I'm assuming you have Texas Tech over Gonzaga. I have Texas Tech over Gonzaga. Noah. And I have Gonzaga over Duke. All right. 
let's flip to the south. We have Arizona-Houston. I'm riding with Arizona. I'm taking the Wildcats. Bear down. I'm going with Arizona as well. Benedict Matherin's going to be too much. And then Michigan-Nova, I'm riding with Nova. I've hated on this team a lot lately, but they're playing really good basketball. Give me Nova. You take the 11 seed if they're in the Sweet 16, man. This team, uh, give me the Wolverines here. Give me the Wolverines. I'm taking Villanova. They're just too good. And then I have Arizona over Nova. Y'all have that? I do as well. I have zone over Michigan, yes. Okay. All right. And then the bottom part. We have North Carolina and UCLA. I already told you I'm riding with the Tar Heels. Give me UNC over UCLA. I'm going UCLA. Going the Bruins. Jackson would have slapped me and you, Evan, if he was here. I know he would have. Purdue, St. Peter's. I have Purdue. Give me the Peacocks just for the jokes. All right. I'll go with the boiler, the boiler makers. And, you know, St. Peter's opened as a 11-and-a-half point underdog. I think that's very disrespectful. I think that they will cover that. I do have Purdue winning, but I think they cover that. And then making it to the final four out of that, I already told you, I'm wrong with the Tar Heels again over Purdue. Who do you have, Evan? Well, if I got UNC versus St. Peter's, I guess I do need to take the Tar Heels. All right, Noah. I'm going Purdue to make the final four. And then in the last part, Kansas Providence. Uh, I hate fading the wagon, but I'm going to have to do it. I just think Kansas is too good of a team with David McCormick, no child Baji, who's one of the best players in the nation. I have Kansas. Yeah, I have Kansas as well. And Noah. I have Kansas. All right. And Iowa State, Miami, I have Miami. And then I have Kansas over Miami. I agree with you. Noah. I have Miami blowing out Iowa State and then Kansas blowing out Miami. He's just saying that because Auburn lost to him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else college basketball? So what's, let me, I'm trying to figure out my final four. I got Texas Tech versus UNC and then Kansas versus Zona. Zona versus Texas Tech. Texas Tech, the champions. I would ride with Gonzaga versus Kansas in the championship, probably, and then Gonzaga winning it. All right, let's jump into a little bit of baseball real quick. We haven't talked about baseball in a while besides the Freddie Freeman trade last week and or the Matt Olson trade and then Freddie leaving, excuse me. But, um, you know, one thing I said last week was it's going to be really important how Alex Anthopoulos handles that $20 million or so that he gained from moving on from Freddie and getting Olsen this year. And I think he did an absolutely phenomenal job with it. I think he nailed it, knocked it out of the park, whatever you want to say. The Braves re-signed Eddie Rosario for two years, $18 million. People don't credit Eddie Rosario enough. I think he is a phenomenal baseball player. I think he he's the type of player who could hit 280 for us this year with 25, 30 homers if he's healthy the whole year. I think he's phenomenal, great re-signing. And then we just build the bullpen. That was already absolutely stout. I think we have one of the best bullpens of all time this year if they're healthy and perform like they can. We get Kenley Jansen from the Dodgers for one year and $16 million, who's a top three closer in baseball. Then we get Colin McHugh for two years and $10 million, five a year. Great signing there. I love, love, love the looks of this bullpen. You add in Matzik, Minner. Luke Jackson, Will Smith, uh, Kirby Yates, when he gets back from 
Uh, the I.L., he should be back in probably August. Kirby Yates is one of the best relievers in all of baseball. People don't know enough about him. He's going to be phenomenal if he comes back healthy. This bullpen, it, it, should, it should scare other MLB teams. But what are your thoughts on the Braves and what they've done the last couple weeks? Yeah, they, they definitely use the money well. Um, we also got Dickerson, did we not, from San Francisco, Alex Dickerson? Yes. Yes. So I, I've heard that he might start the season as our DH, so that'll be interesting. Um, but, no, I, I, I really like the money we were able to do, um, the money we spent. You know, it's kind of kind of sad we can't go get Solaire now, but that's fine. Um, he, he, he did what he had to do to get us a ring, and that's all that matters. Um, but, no, Jansen and McHugh have been, you know, phenomenal signings um Kirby Yates was a great signing before the uh, lockout and now you know you return Ozuna you return Acuna this this is gonna be scary this is gonna be a scary team yeah I agree and either next week or the next sometime soon we'll we'll talk a lot more about the Braves and give a rundown on what the season's gonna look like but let's talk a little more about some MLB signings and Trevor Story goes to the Red Sox for six years and 140 million I think they kind of got him on, on a bargain here. Trevor Story's one of the best shortstops in baseball. Really phenomenal player. I think six years for 140s is still. You have any thoughts on that? No, I, I do think it's a steal, but I, I think it is a little bit interesting because, and maybe this is just me being naive, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of times when people go to Boston and they were good at other places, they don't perform to the exact same caliber. So let's. I, I hope Story doesn't you know, continue that tradition or at least the tradition in my head. I could be just remembering completely wrong, but I, I I think that's interesting and something to keep an eye on as Trevor, you know, moves to, you know, to Fenway. No, I can see where you're coming from. I One name that comes to mind that didn't pan out well there for me is Hanley Ramirez. Ramirez yeah. was a phenomenal player with the Marlins, and when he went there, he just never panned out. So I, I can agree with that a little bit. Uh, the next guy is Carlos Correa to the Twins for three years and $105 million. I think that's probably about what he should have got. The Twins are, you know, adding to a potent lineup. They they have the number one and two players now from the 2012 draft in Buxton and uh, Correa. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was, that was going to be my first comment. I, I think it's interesting how the Astros, you know, didn't select Buxton first overall because they could pay Correa less. And now Minnesota gets them both. <laughs> so it's, it's um it's eight years you know ten years after the fact but they're they're now you know going to play together and I think if Buxton can stay healthy that's been the that's been a big problem for the Twins these last couple of years um but that that lineup is that lineup is brutal <laughs> they can they can hit some home run balls um but other than that it's been pretty chill all right and then we have Jorge Soler going to the Marlins for three years and thirty six million. The Marlins really aren't going to be contenders. They're probably going to finish fourth or fifth in the NL East. But it's just sad to see Soler go. Do you have any th- thoughts on that real quick? Yeah, thank you for hitting a ball so far that it still hasn't landed and winning us World Series. Your debt will always be paid here in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I, I think that he disintegrated that ball. Yeah, I don't think it ever landed. Nobody, nobody's ever been able to produce it for me. So I'm in, in my head canon, he's never, it's never landed. True. I, I can agree with that. I don't think he has. And then um, 
we have two big signings for the Phillies. We had Nick Castellanos go to the Phillies for five years and a hundred million. And they also get Kyle Schwarber too. This lineup is looking really, really deadly right now. What are your thoughts on the Phillies? Yeah, the, the Phillies were like, all right, I see Atlanta won the World Series. The Mets keep building. You know, the Marlins are, you know, young and scrappy. Let me just get some people of my own. So, uh, bad time to be a Nationals fan, I guess. Um, but other than that, Phillies going to have something to say when it comes to the title. I don't think they're going to be very serious. But they could sneak up and, you know, hurt some people who are near the top. Yeah, I think they need a little more pitching because I'm looking at their roster right now. And, yes, they have Aaron Nola, who's a phenomenal pitcher, probably top 15 in baseball. Zach Wheeler, he's when he's on, he's a really, really good player. But then the bullpen kind of struggles, in my opinion, and they're three, four, five starters. They've got, like, Zach Eflin, who's probably going to be their three or four guy, Kyle Gibson. The bullpen consists of guys like Brad Hand, Corey Kniebel, just a lot of, like, older veterans, it seems like. And I just don't like the looks of the rest of the pitching staff. But this lineup, you've got Alec Baum, who still has not touched home plate. Uh, Camargo goes over to the Phillies. Didi Gregorius, Reese Hoskins, Gene Segura, Bryce Harper, uh, Odubel Herrera, who I feel like has been there for 97 years. Mickey yep. Moniak, a really young guy who I remember watching him grow up and go through the minor league teams. Kyle Schwarber, I mean, this team is deadly lineup-wise. I just don't think the pitching's going to be there enough, in my opinion. I think they finished probably second to the Braves and the Mets third, even with the Mets stout pitching staff. All right. No, absolutely. Um, beyond that, uh, where did Donaldson go? To New York, right? Yankees, yeah. Yeah, okay. What I thought. And then Chris Bryant goes to the Rockies for seven years, $182 million. I think the deal's good for him, but it makes no sense to me in the Rockies' viewpoint. The Rockies, it seems like they have no clue what they're doing. One year, it seems like they're buying. The next, they're selling. And what's funny is they're never contending. They're a terrible team who can't seem to know what they're doing. They should just fully tank and start a rebuild all over, in my opinion. But they go get guys like Chris Bryant paying them all this kind of money, and they might win 60 to 70 games next year, maybe. They're going to be terrible, but I do like the move for Chris Bryant going and getting his money. He's going to have phenomenal offensive seasons there, you know, with all the atmosphere, the play, whatever it is, the altitude. Altitude, that's the word I was thinking of. He's going to hit a lot of homers, hit for good average. What are your thoughts on Chris Bryant going to the Rockies? Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. Like, what, what the heck is the Rockies doing? Why are you giving this much money to that guy for seven years? Like, you, you can't build something. Dude, You, I don't know if they could build something in seven years, period. Uh, that's what I'm saying. They're awful. So, I'm, I'm confused by that move a lot, but. You know, good for Chris getting his money. All right. Well, let's jump to the NFL. And it was, as you said, it it was the quarterback carousel this week pretty much. The biggest move was Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. I love this move for the Browns. Watson's a top five quarterback when he's playing. I love it. What was it? Uh, How many years for $230 million? Five, four. 
four? No, it was five. Four. It was five for two thirty. Five for two thirty-five, fully guaranteed. Yes. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson going to the Browns? Well, I don't know if he was crazy, or if Adam Schefter was crazy, or we as the fans were crazy. But he was supposed to go three different places before Cleveland was even on the radar. Let's just take it back a little bit. Sean Watson comes out. He gets cleared of his criminal charges, and he's only facing civil suits now. And everybody's like, let's go. Let's go get him. So the first two teams that pop out immediately, Saints and Panthers. They're on him. They're meeting with him. They're getting offers. And then Adam Shefford comes in. He goes, dot, 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 dot. Hey, Atlanta might want a little bit on this, but it seems like maybe Atlanta's just trying to drive up the price for New Orleans and Carolina. It's divisional rivals. You want them, if they're going to get Watson back, you want them to get down and, you know, lose a little bit more. Within 48 hours, the Panthers are out, and it's just the Saints and the Falcons. And then everybody within a 24-hour span was fully convinced that Deshaun Watson was coming to Atlanta. They thought we were getting Allen Robinson. They thought we were getting Leonard Fournette. They thought we were getting Jarvis Landry. They thought we were getting, you know, Quavo to come play for full time. They thought we were coming to get Tony Gonzalez to get out of retirement. Everybody thought everybody was coming to Atlanta. And then they told Cleveland, oh, you're out. Within 12 hours later, he's a brat. And nobody knows what happened. Nobody knows how Atlanta fumbled the bag so bad. Nobody knows why New Orleans was never given a full shot. You know, nobody knows why the Panthers were even out. But he chooses Cleveland after Amari Cooper gets traded there. And now he's a Brown. And, like, now we were so mad about the Deshaun Watson thing that we just traded Matt Ryan, too. So, it's it's very interesting. Deshaun Watson single-handedly changed the entire NFC South in about three days. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to another huge, huge move that happened a couple weeks ago, but we never really talked about it much, and it's Russell Wilson going to Denver. And this Denver team, a lot of people were talking about them being Super Bowl contenders, and I think they can be if this offensive line can pick it up and if they can keep the defense together and maybe even get a few more pieces there. But just listen to Russell Wilson's playmakers real quick. At running back, he has Javante Williams, who we saw come along really well at the end of last year. At receiver, they have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. Sutton is a proven receiver, but the others have, you know, they have tons of potential. Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick are phenomenal players, but they have not produced like we have expected quite yet. K.J. Hamler, another big prospect out of Penn State, has a lot of uh, potential there. And then at tight end, you've got Albert Okwabunum, who's he, – he was a phenomenal college tight end at Missouri, but just hasn't been proven yet. So if one of those pass catchers can step up and go along with Cortland Sutton and Javante Williams can keep this run game up, the Denver Broncos offense will be very scary. But what are your thoughts on the Broncos getting Wilson? Yeah, the AFC West is just wild, man. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but just – I get it. Mortgage the future. Win now. Try to do what you did with Peyton Manning. And Russell Wilson seems to be that second coming, you know, that they're hoping for. And it looks good on paper. But we, we got to get him some playmakers or at least some playmakers to step up. And I think that's just going to be the make or break when it comes to, you know, mile high football this year. All right. Well, let's talk about three more quarterbacks real quick. And you already touched on it, but it's Matt Ryan to the Colts. And I was thinking about it today in class. I got real bored, so I was just running through, you know, some of these trade scenarios. 
the Colts look really, really good for next year. Matt Ryan is 38-6 and six as a starter when he is a 100-yard rusher. Jonathan Taylor is going to get his 100 yards game in, game out. Phenomenal running back, top three in the NFL probably. This offensive line is phenomenal. This defense is really good. I think Matt Ryan can step in and make them a Super Bowl contender. I don't know if they'll – you know, they're probably not a top three or four contender, but I think they have a shot at it, outside shot. What are your thoughts on this Colts team? Yeah, it's definitely a dark horse team. And, you know, as someone who watched Matt Ryan play every week, he deserves to go to a good team. And Indianapolis, you know, the last couple years has been the veteran quarterback away from a Super Bowl. They tried Phillip Rivers. That didn't work. Tried Carson Wentz. That didn't work. Now they're trying Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's probably the best of the three. And Matt Ryan's probably, you know, going to be able to produce the most of the three. Like I said, he's been sacked too many times. He's never had a consistent running back, it feels like, ever since, you know, Freeman left. It, it'll be very good for Matt Ryan to be able to produce in that offense. T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, they're not the best receivers, but they're decent. Matt Ryan will make them better. Happy for him. Colts are good. Dark horse, nowhere near actual contingent. All right. Well, Atlanta moves on from Matt Ryan. They get Marsh Kiss Mariota for two years, $18 million, I think it was, or something around there. What are your thoughts yeah. on Mariota to Atlanta? I think it's the expected move. I wouldn't say it's the best move, but I think that's the point. I think we need a quarterback good enough that we could step on the field and play football and not um, Marcus Mariota did very well with Arthur Smith at in Tennessee before they traded for Ryan Tannehill. He deserved a second shot, and Atlanta's going to be able to give it to him. He's nothing more than a stopgap quarterback. We're either taking somebody this year or we're tanking and taking them top next year. Those are the I, two options, um, and that that's the whole plan. We are I think they should now. wait till next year. I, a I lot of people projected Malik Willis to be drafted to the Falcons, and I just am not a Malik Willis fan. Last year he had 27 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, not the best ratio. That 12 interceptions really worries me. He was a 61% passer, not great either there. I just don't like Malik Willis. I don't think he's that great a quarterback, a little bit undersized. He's six foot, 215, so pretty stout there, but six foot worries me a little bit. I just don't like him, especially going eighth overall. I think you wait till next year when you've got C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Spencer Rattler, Sam Hartman, Brandon Armstrong. That class next year is really solid with quarterbacks. I love it. I think you need to wait till next year. Oh, I, I agree, but I, I think Malik Willis might be coming because I think that's why we took Mariota to have a mobile guy to mentor him. I'm not saying I like it. And he might be gone at six. A lot of people think Willis could be gone at six to Carolina. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we would take Pickett then. I like Kenny Pickett. I don't know if I like him at eight, but I like Kenny. But um, the last quarterback is Carson Wentz to the football team. The football Commanders. team is, huh? Commanders. Uh, yes, the Commanders. My bad. I'm stuck on the football team. I, I like that name. I wish they had kept it. But uh, Wentz to the Commanders, they're probably they're not a Super Bowl contender. I'll go ahead and say that. They're a contender to win the division, though. Do you think the Wentz trade helps them that much, though? No. They got they got screwed. 
like for just lack of a better word, they went all in on Carson Wentz and could have got Deshaun or Matt Ryan or Baker Mayfield. And they're stuck with Carson Wentz for the price of two third rounders and possibly a second and a third, depending on how well he plays. Ron Rivera literally audibly said, damn, when the trade went through. There's people who have that in the office who said that. I don't I think it's going to be worse. I think they should have stuck with Heineke. Wentz is gonna get hurt. I don't believe it at all. I think it was terrible. Yeah, I'm not a Wentz fan either, but um you mentioned Baker Mayfield. What do you think he ends up doing? He'll go to Seattle. Okay, that's what a lot of people are saying. And I think Seattle's gonna be terrible next year. Now you getting Baker. That helps a lot because people are hating a little too much on Baker. I think Baker's probably around quarterback. I would have to make the list, but I would say he's somewhere between 18 and 22. I think he's a serviceable quarterback, and a lot of people are just bashing him. But you give him DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that offense becomes relevant again. Yeah, and then I think the 49ers would hold on to Jimmy G, but the only place he would go would either be Houston or Carolina, and I think Carolina's the only real player. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else on the NFL? Um, Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Yes, yes. Uh, I think that was huge for them. You're going to give Derek Carr a really good pass catcher, and he's already got uh, Brian Edwards, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, some really good pass catchers there. So you add him there, that team's going to be scary offensively. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of stunning move by the Packers, but, you know, good for the Raiders. Yeah, and I think the Packers will go draft a wide receiver. I know that we say that it seems like every year, but now they almost have to. You leave Aaron Rodgers with Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Scanley. Or no, Lazard moved on, didn't he? No, MBS moved on. Lazard okay. still Okay, I knew one of them had, but. I mean, he has nobody to throw to. They might call me or you up and need us to come catch passes for him. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they'll be in trouble. Um, last thing before we wrap up, I want you to give us a recap on your Atlanta Hawks. I don't know, man. We stink. <laughs> I made peace with it. I don't even watch the games anymore, man. Nah, Trey Young's been doing great. Um, we're still in the nine spot for the play-in game. We would play the Hornets right now. Uh, win and we move on, lose, and we don't go to the playoffs practically. Um, really hope we can get into the eight spot so we have two chances, but the Nets are right ahead of us, and that'll be kind of hard to overtake, especially since we don't have the tiebreaker with them. We do have the tiebreaker with Charlotte. Something to keep in mind. Um, other than that, Trace went, was really good. Then he had the worst game of his career, it feels like. Gallinari's played absolutely or, – or not absolutely, but very well in the absence of John Collins. I'm glad we stuck – we kept him around at the trade deadline for this reason. Both Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter have both been very quiet. DeAndre Hunter, who used to be a defensive force, is now just a problem on the court, it seems like. Clint Capella's not scoring as many. He's still getting his blocks and rebounds. But we're just not producing at the same level as we were last year, and it's – it's the reason we're in the nine spot versus the four spot. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our bowl predictions. Do you or Noah have one right off the top? I took St. Peter's over Purdue. All right. I'll take it. Noah, is that a no? You don't have one or no, you're not giving one? 
All right. Well, I'm looking at March Madness. I want to ride with it. Um, I'll go look in the South region. In the Michigan-Villanova game, I've talked about this Villanova team and how much I've bashed them. I think they're going to get a really great game with Michigan. I think Michigan's going to throw everything at them. But I think Colin Gillespie drops 35 in a win. Gillespie has the game of his life, and Villanova wins. Yeah, I hope if he drops 35, they win. (laughs) All right, Noah? I'm going the complete opposite side of Evans. I'm going Purdue wins by 20-plus. Okay. Over the 15 seed? That's not bold, man. I'm going in the middle. I'm going a eight-point win by Purdue. Man. All right. Well, do you have any last words? Um, thank you, Freddie and Matt Ryan, for all your contributions to Atlanta. You'll be dearly missed. Please do not touch Trey Young, sports gods. <laughs> oh, you know it's coming. As soon as the Hawks win a championship in about five years, they're going to just be like, no, nah, you're too much money, Trey. We're getting rid of you. And then the Hawks will suck for the next 80 years. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, go Braves, go Hawks, go Falcons. <laughs>